Section 17 of Jailed for Freedom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jailed for Freedom by Doris Stevens. Part 3, Chapter 18. President Wilson appeals to the Senate too late. The next day, the administration completely reversed its policy. Almost the first Senate business was an announcement on the floor by Senator Jones, chairman of the suffrage committee, that the suffrage amendment would be considered in the Senate September 26th and Senator Overman, chairman of the Rules Committee, rather shyly remarked to our legislative chairman that he had been mistaken yesterday. It was now in the legislative program. The Senate still stood 60 votes for and 34 against the amendment, two votes lacking. The President made an effort among individual democrats to secure them but it was too feeble an effort and he failed chairman jones took charge of the measure on the floor the debate opened with a long and eloquent speech by senator waterman of mississippi democrat in support of the amendment my estimate of women said he in conclusion is well expressed in the words employed by a distinguished author who dedicated his book to a little mountain a great meadow and a woman to the mountain for the sense of time to the meadow for the sense of space and of everything senator mccumber of north dakota republican followed with a curious speech. His problem was to explain why, although opposed to the suffrage, he would vote for the amendment. Beginning with the overworked caveman and beasts of the forest, and down to the present day, the male had always protected the female. He always would. Forgetting recent events in the capital, he went so far as to say, In our courts, she ever finds in masculine nature an asylum of protection, even though she may have committed great wrong. While the mind may be convinced beyond any doubt, the masculine heart finds it almost impossible to pronounce the word guilty against a woman. Scarcely had the galleries ceased smiling at this idea when he treated them to a novel application of the biological theory of inheritance. The political field, he declared, always has been and probably always will be an arena of more or less bitter contest. The political battles 
leave scars as ugly and lacerating as the physical battles and the more sensitive the nature the deeper and more lasting the wound and so no man can enter this contest or be a party to it and assume its responsibilities without feeling its blows and suffering its wounds much less can woman with her more emotional and more sensitive nature but you may ask why should she be relieved from the scars and wounds of political contest because they do not affect her alone but are transmitted through her to generations yet to come the fateful story of the sinking ship was invoked by the senator from north dakota one might almost imagine after listening to congressional debates for some years that travelling on sinking ships formed a large part of human experience fathers sons and brothers said the senator in tearful voice guarding the lifeboats until every woman from the highest to the lowest has been made safe waving adieu with a smile of cheer on their lips while the wounded vessel slowly bears them to a strangling death and a watery tomb belie the charge that woman needs her citizenship as a form of protection in spite of these opinions however the senator was obliged to vote for the amendment because his state had so ordered senator hardwick of georgia democrat felt somewhat betrayed that the suffrage plank in the platform of his party in nineteen sixteen recommending state action should be so carelessly set aside there is not a democratic senator present said mr hardwick who does not know the history that lies back of the adoption of that plank there is not a democratic senator who does not know that the plank was written here in washington and sent to the convention and represented the deliberate voice of the administration and of the party on this question which was to remit this question to the several states for action the president of the united states was reported to have sent this particular plank from washington supposedly by the hands of one of his cabinet officers the fact that his own party and the republican party were both advancing on suffrage irritated him into denouncing the alacrity with which politicians and senators are trying to get on the bandwagon first senator mckellar from tennessee democrat reduced the male superiority argument to simple terms when he said taking them by and large there are brainy men and brainy women and that is about all there is to the proposition our armies are sweeping victorious towards germany there was round on round of eloquence about the glories of war rivers of blood flowed and always the role of woman was depicted as a contended binding of wounds 
there were those who thought women should be rewarded for such service others thought she ought to do it without asking anything in return but all agreed that this was her role there was no woman's voice in that body to protest against the perpetuity of such a role the remarks of senator reed of missouri and to suffrage democrat typify this attitude women in my state believe in the old-fashioned doctrine that men should fight the battles on the red line that men should stand and bear their bosoms to the iron hail and that back of them if need be there shall be women who may bind up the wounds and whose tender hands may rest upon the brow of the valiant soldier who has gone down in the fight but sir that is woman's work and it has been woman's work always the woman who gave her firstborn a final kiss and blessed him on his way to battle had according to the senator from missouri earned a crown of glory gemmed with the love of the world and with senator walsh of montana democrat the women of america have already written a glorious page in the history of the greatest of wars that have vexed the world they like cornelia have given and freely given their jewels to their country some of us wondered senator mclean of connecticut anti-suffrage republican flatly stated that all questions involving declarations of war and terms of peace should be left to that sex which must do the fighting and the dying on the battlefield and he further said that until boys between eighteen and twenty-one who had just been called to the colours should ask for the vote their mothers should be and remain both proud and content without it he concluded with an amusing account of the history of the ballot-box this joint resolution he said goes beyond the seas and above the clouds it attempts to tamper with the ballot-box over which mother nature always has had and always will have supreme control and such attempts always have ended and always will end in failure and misfortune senator felon of california democrat made a straightforward intelligent speech senator beckham of kentucky democrat deplored the idea that man was superior to woman he pleaded guilty to the charge of romanticism he said but i look upon woman as superior to man therefore he could not trust her with a vote he had the hardihood to say further with the men of the world at each other's throats woman is the civilizing refining elevating influence that holds man from barbarism we charged him with ignorance as well as romanticism when he said in closing it is the duty of man to work 
and labour for women, to cut the wood, to carry the coal, to go into the fields in the necessary labour, to sustain the home where the woman presides and by her superior nature elevates him to higher and better conceptions of life. Meanwhile, Senator Shafroth of Colorado, Democrat, lifelong advocate of suffrage, was painstakingly asking one senator after another as he had been for years. Does not the senator believe that the just powers of government are derived from the consent of the governed? And then, but if you have the general principle acknowledged that the just powers of government are derived from the consent of the governed, and so forth. But the idea of applying the Declaration of Independence to modern politics fairly put them to sleep. These samples of senatorial profundity may divert outrage or bore us, but they do not represent the real battle. It is not that the men who utter these sentiments do not believe them. More is the pity they do. But they are smoke screens, mere skirmishes of eloquence or foolishness. They do not represent the motives of their political acts. The real excitement began when Senator Pittman of Nevada, Democrat, attempted to reveal to the senators of his party the actual seriousness of the political crisis in which the Democrats were now involved. He also attempted to shift the blame for threatened defeat of the amendment to the Republican side of the chamber. There was a note of desperation in his voice, too, since he knew that Preston Wilson had not up to that moment won the two votes lacking. The gist of Senator Pittman's remarks was this. The Women's Party has charged the Senate Women's Suffrage Committee, which is in control of the Democrats and the President himself, with the responsibility for obstructing a vote on the measure. I confess, said he, that this is having its effect as a campaign argument in the Women's Suffrage States. Senator Volcott of Delaware Democrat interrupted him to ask if this was the party that has been picketing here in Washington. Senator Pittman, having just paid this tribute to our campaign in the West, hastened to say that it was, but that there was another association, the National American Women's Suffrage Association, which had always conducted its campaign in a ladylike, modest and intelligent way, and which had never mixed in politics. Waving a copy of the suffragists in the air, Senator Pittman began his attempt to shift responsibility to the Republican side for the critical condition of the amendment. He denounced the Republicans for caucusing on the amendment and deciding unanimously to press for a vote when they 
the Republicans knew there were two votes lacking. He scored us for having given so much publicity to the action of the caucus and declared with vehemence that a trick had been executed through Senator Smoot, which he would not allow to go unrevealed. Senator Pittman charged that the Republicans had promised enough votes to pass the amendment and that upon that promise the Democrats had brought the measure on the floor, that the Republicans thereupon withdrew enough votes to cause the defeat of the amendment. Whether or not this was true, at any rate, as Senator Smoot pointed out, the Democratic chairman in charge of the measure could at any moment send the measure back to the committee, safe from immediate defeat. This was true, but not exactly a suggestion to be welcomed by the Democrats. Yes, replied Senator Pittman, and then, if we move to refer it back to the committee, the senator from Utah would say again, the Democrats are obstructing the passage of this amendment. We told you all the time they wanted to kill it. If we refer it back to the committee, then we will be charged, as we have been all the time in the suffrage states, with trying to prevent a vote on it, and still the Women's Party campaign will go on as it is going on now, and if we vote on it, they will say, we told you the Democrats would kill it, because the President would not make 332 on his side vote for it. That was the crux of the whole situation. The Democrats had been maneuvered into a position where they could neither afford to move to refer the amendment back to the committee, nor could they afford to press it to a losing vote. They were indeed in an exceedingly embarrassing predicament. Throughout hours of debate, Senator Pittman could not get away from the militants. Again and again, he recited our deeds of protest, our threats of reprisal, our relentless strategy of holding his party responsible for defeat or victory. I should like the senator, interpolated senator, Poindexter of Washington Republican, so long as he is discussing the action of the pickets to explain to the senator whether or not it is the action of the pickets, the militant, women's party, that caused the president to change his attitude on the subject. Was he coerced into supporting this measure after he had for years opposed it because he was picketed? When did the president change his attitude? If it was not because he was picketed, will the senator explain what was the cause of the change in the president's attitude? Mr. Pittman could not reply directly to these questions. Senator Reed of Missouri, anti-administration Democrat, consumed hours reading into the congressional record various press reports of militant activities. He dwelt particularly upon the news headlines, such as Great Washington Crowd Cheers Demonstration at White House by National Women's Party Suffragists 
burn wilson idle words money instead of g's greet marchers and unique protest against withholding vote apply torch to president's words promise to urge passage of amendment not definite enough for militants soft burn speech apply torch to wilson's words during demonstration symbol of indignation throngs witnessing doings in lafayette square orderly and contribute to fund president receives delegation of american suffrage association women senator mckellar of tennessee democrat asked mr reed if he did not believe that we had a right peaceably to assemble under the first amendment of our constitution which i shall read congress shall make no law abridging the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances mr reed made no direct answer lest the idea get abroad from the amount of time they spent in discussing the actions of the wicked militants that we had had something to do with the situation which had resulted in democratic despair senator thomas of colorado the one democrat who had never been able to conceal his hostility to us for having reduced his majority nineteen fourteen arose to pay a tribute to the conservative suffrage association of america there escension he said is unstained by mob methods or appeals to violence it has neither picketed precedents nor populated prisons it has carried no banners flaunting insults to the executive while the militants on the other hand have indulged in much tumult and vociferous braying for all notoriety's sake the galleries smiled as he counselled the elder suffrage leaders not to lose courage nor yet be faint-hearted for this handicap would soon be overcome it would have taken an abler man than senator thomas in the face of the nature of this debate to make any one believe that we had been a handicap in forcing them to their position he was the only one hardy enough to try after this debate the senate adjourned leaving things from the point of view of party politics tangled in a hopeless knot it was to untie this knot that the president returned hastily from new york in answer to urgent summons by long-distance telephone and went to the capitol to deliver his memorable address mr vice-president and gentlemen of the senate the unusual circumstances of a world war in which we stand and are judged in the view not only of our own people and our own consciences but also in the view of all nations and all peoples will i hope justify in your thought as it does in mine the message i have come to bring you i regard 
the occurrence of the senate in the constitutional amendment proposing the extension of the suffrage to women as vitally essential to the successful prosecution of the great war of humanity in which we are engaged i have come to urge upon you the considerations which have led me to that conclusion it is not only my privilege it is also my duty to appraise you of every circumstance and element involved in this momentous struggle which seems to me to affect its very processes and its outcome it is my duty to win the war and to ask you to remove every obstacle that stands in the way of winning it i had assumed that the senate would conquer in the amendment because no disputable principle is involved but only a question of the method by which the suffrage is to be extended to women there is and can be no party issue involved in it both of our great national parties are pledged explicitly pledged to equality of suffrage for the women of the country neither party therefore it seems to me can justify hesitation as to the method of obtaining it can rightfully hesitate to substitute federal initiative for state initiative if the early adoption of the measure is necessary to the successful prosecution of the war and if the method of state action proposed in party platforms of 1916 is impracticable within any reasonable length of time if practicable at all and its adoption is in my judgment clearly necessary to the successful prosecution of the war and the successful realization of the objects for which the war is being fought that judgment i take the liberty of urging upon you with solemn earnestness for reasons which i shall state very frankly and which i shall hope will seem as conclusive to you as they have seemed to me this is a people's war and people's thinking constitutes its atmosphere and morale not the predilections of the drawing room or the political considerations of the caucus if we be indeed democrats and wish to lead the world to democracy we can ask other peoples to accept in proof of our sincerity and our ability to lead them whither they wish to be led nothing less persuasive and convincing than our actions our professions will not suffice verification must be forthcoming when verification is asked for and in this case verification is asked for asked for in this particular matter you ask by whom not through diplomatic channels not by foreign ministers not by the intimations of parliaments it is asked for by the anxious expectant suffering peoples with whom we are dealing and who are willing to put their destinies in some measure in our hands if they are sure that we wish the same things that they wish i do not speak by conjecture 
it is not alone the voices of statesmen and of newspapers that reach me and the voices of foolish and intemperate agitators do not reach me at all through many many channels i have been made aware what the plain struggling workaday folk are thinking upon whom the chief terror and suffering of this tragic war falls they are looking to the great powerful famous democracy of the west to lead them to the new day for which they have so long waited and they think in their logical simplicity that democracy means that women shall play their part in affairs alongside men and upon an equal footing with them if we reject measures like this in ignorance or defiance of what a new age has brought forth of what they have seen but we have not they will cease to follow or to trust us they have seen their own governments accept this interpretation of democracy seen old governments like great britain which did not profess to be democratic promise readily and as of course this justice to women though they had before refused it the strange revelations of this war having made many things new and plain to governments as well as to peoples are we alone to refuse to learn the lesson are we alone to ask and take the utmost that women can give service and sacrifice of every kind and still say that we do not see what title that gives them to stand by our sides in the guidance of the affairs of their nation and us we have made partners of women in this war shall we admit them only to a partnership of sacrifice and suffering and toil and not to a partnership of privilege and of right this war could not have been fought either by the other nations engaged or by america if it had not been for the services of the women services rendered in every sphere not only in the fields of effort in which we have been accustomed to see them work but wherever men have worked and upon the very skirts and edges of the battle itself we shall not only be distrusted but shall deserve to be distrusted if we do not enfranchise them with the fullest possible enfranchisement as it is now certain that the other great free nations will enfranchise them we cannot isolate our thought or our action in such a matter from the thought of the rest of the world we must either confirm or deliberately reject what they propose and resign the leadership of liberal minds to others the women of america are too noble and too intelligent and too devoted to be slackers whether you give or withhold this thing that is mere justice but i know the magic it will work in their thoughts and spirits if you give it to them i propose it as i would propose to admit soldiers to the suffrage the men fighting in the field for our liberties and the liberties of the world 
were they excluded. The tasks of the women lie at the very heart of the war, and I know how much stronger that heart will beat if you do this just thing and show our women that you trust them as much as you in fact and of necessity depend upon them. Have I said that the passage of this amendment is a vitally necessary war measure, or do you need further proof? Do you stand in need of the trust of other peoples and of the trust of our women? Is that trust an asset or is it not? I tell you plainly, as commander-in-chief of our armies and of the gallant men in our fleets, as the present spokesman of this people in our dealings with the men and women throughout the world who are now our partners, as the responsible head of a great government which stands and is questioned day by day as to its purposes, its principles, its hopes, whether they be serviceable to men everywhere or only to itself, and who must himself answer these questionings or be shamed as the guide and director of forces caught in the grip of war and by the same token in need of every material and spiritual resource this great nation possesses i tell you plainly that this measure which i urge upon you is vital to the winning of the war and to the energies alike of preparation and of battle and not to the winning of the war only it is vital to the right solution of the great problems which we must settle and settle immediately when the war is over we shall need then a vision of affairs which is theirs and as we have never needed them before the sympathy and insight and clear moral instinct of the women of the world. The problems of that time will strike to the roots of many things that we have not hitherto questioned, and I for one believe that our safety in those questioning days, as well as our comprehension of matters that touch society to the quick, will depend upon the direct and authoritative participation of women in our councils. We shall need the moral sense to preserve what is right and fine and worthy in our system of life, as well as to discover just what it is that ought to be purified and reformed. Without their counselings, we shall be only half-wise. That is my case. This is my appeal many may deny its validity if they choose but no one can brush aside or answer the arguments upon which it is based the executive tasks of this war rest upon me i ask that you lighten them and place in my hands spiritual instruments which i do not now possess which i solely need and which I have daily to apologize for not being to employ. Applause It was a truly beautiful appeal. When the applause and the excitement 
attendant upon the occasion of a message from the president had subsided and the floor of the chamber had emptied itself of its distinguished visitors the debate was resumed if this resolution fails now said senator jones of washington ranking republican member of the suffrage committee it fails for lack of democratic votes senator cummins of iowa republican also a member of the suffrage committee reminded opponents of the measure of the retaliatory tactics used by president wilson when repudiated by senators on other issues i sincerely hope he said tauntingly that president may deal kindly and leniently with those who are refusing to move this obstacle which stands in his way it has not been very long since the president retired the junior senator from mississippi mr Wartheman, from public life why because he refused at all times to obey the commands which were issued for his direction the junior senator from georgia mr hardwick suffered the same fate how do you hope to escape my democratic friends are either proceeding upon hypothesis that the president is insincere or that they may be able to secure an immunity from him that these other unfortunate aspirants for office failed to secure senator cummins chided senator reed for denouncing the so-called militants who sought to bring their influence to bear upon the situation in rather a more forcible and decisive method than was employed by the national association i did not believe in the campaign they were pursuing not one senator was brave enough to say outright that he did but that was simply a question for them to determine and if they thought that in accordance with the established custom the president should bring his influence to bear more effectively than he had they had a perfect right to burn his message they had a perfect right to carry banners in lafayette park in front of the white house or anywhere else they had a perfect right to bring their banners into the capitol and display them with all the force and vigor which they could command i did not agree with them but they also were making a campaign for an inestimable and a fundamental right what would you have done men if you had been deprived of the right to vote what would you have done if you had been deprived of the right of representation have the militants done anything worse than the revolutionary forces who gathered about the tea-chests and threw them into the sea i do not believe they the militants committed any crime and while i had no particle of sympathy with the manner in which they were conducting their campaign i think their arrest and imprisonment and the treatment which they received while in confinement are a disgrace to the civilized world and much the more a disgrace to the united states which assumes to lead the civilized world in humane endeavor 
they disturbed nobody save the disturbance which was common to the carrying forward of all the propaganda by those who are intensely and vitally interested in it i wish they had not done it but i am not to be the judge of their methods so long as they confine themselves to those acts and to those words which are fairly directed to the accomplishment of their purposes i cannot accept the conclusion that because these women burned a message in lafayette park or because they carried banners upon the streets in washington therefore they are criminals the time had come to take the vote but we knew we had not won the roll was called and the vote stood sixty-two to thirty-four october first nineteen eighteen counting all pairs we had lost by two votes instantly chairman jones according to his promise to the women changing his vote from yea to nay moved for a reconsideration of the measure and thus automatically kept it on the calendar of the senate that was all that could be done the president's belief in the power of words had lost the amendment nor could he by a speech eloquent as it was break down the position in the senate which he had so long protected and condoned our next task was to secure a reversal of the senate vote we modified our tactics slightly end of section 17